You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. I remember years ago being uh, seven, eight, nine years old watching this racing movie, and my brother and I watched it. If we watched it once, we, we watched it. 500 times, um, and it was on VHS, and so, you know, by the end of the run, it, you know, it was kind of, had the white fuzzies going across it as the tape would go, and, and at the end of it, there was, like, as the credits were rolling, there were these people on, on bikes, and they were, like, in a parking lot, and they were professionals, and they were doing really technical bike tricks, and, and most of the time, once the credits were there, you hit rewind and, and start it over, or whatever, but my brother and I, we watched intently just watching these guys and as soon as the the movie ended and the white fuzz took over the screen or whatever we I remember just many times just just looking at one another and like all right let's do this like we've got to get our bike and so like we just seen these dudes and we go get our bike uh, and so we go out there and it, and it looked nothing <laughs> looked nothing like whatever we just saw on tv um in the same way this past week uh, I got to spend some time with, with Acts 29, and, and you saw just a little glimpse of what that church planting network is about. And so uh, every other year, there's a global gathering where, where all, uh, there were 1,300 men and women from around the globe and, and 800 churches represented, and, and you guys graciously allowed me and, and the staff and our wives to go, and, and we got to be with those people. And so... Um, I, you know, you get to hear preaching, and, and they, they walk through Second Timothy uh, in the kind of plenary talks, and so we're, we're just spurred and encouraged, and we got to s- lift up our voices and, and sing, and we got to sing in other languages. We had no idea what they were saying, and, and uh, there were people from, from 45 different countries and 35 languages, and we, we got to see the body of Christ built up and others bearing the burden that we bear, and, and so... Uh, so I find myself today, uh, having just seen the movie Rad and, and pumped and ready to go do some sweet tricks, only, uh, only not bike tricks, but, but joyfully, joyfully believing and, and boldly building God's church, being mindful of the rescue that's, that's uh, snatched me from my sin, being mindful of the mission that we are called into to be God's church. And so um, one of the things that was shared uh, in one of the talks at, at the global gathering was something that I couldn't not use today. And then when I looked at my notes that I had established, I had an intro that talked about enduring and, and all these things, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to share this. So if you're one of the five people that already heard this, I, I'm not apologizing to you at all. So um, one of the things that one of the guys, his name was uh, a Jay Thomas, I think, he, he shared of, of uh, this story in 1952, this woman by the name of Florence Chadwick, she decided to attempt a 26-mile swim uh, between California, the coastline of California, and uh, Catalina Island. And she had a boat going alongside her, um, and so they had guns so that they could shoot, you know, sharks or anything like that. And her, her mother was in the boat that was going alongside, and uh, it, it, had she got exhausted to the point to where she couldn't go on, they would obviously capture her. If she quit, they would, they would put her in the boat and... And she was 15 hours in. She'd been swimming in open seas for 15 hours, and fog set in, and 
And they, they couldn't see literally anything in front of them. And, and she almost stopped several times. And then finally she, she quit. And she said, I, I can't go on. And so, so it was. Uh, that ended up being, as, as the fog dissipated, and as the boat went on, only it was less than one mile from the shore. So she had swam 25 miles, and she was less than one mile from the shore when she couldn't go on, and she had to quit. And, and the reality is, in our lives, and what we get to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today, is, is when things get tough, it is so easy to quit. Um, and that's true for virtually everything. Um, you might not be aware of this, but, but your kids probably are. There's such a thing as, as rage quitting in the video game world. And what that means is like you're just getting whooped and you just throw the remote and, and you're done. So you can watch videos uh, of kids and uh, boys dressed as men doing that. Um, <clears throat> no offense. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but that's just a small like kind of microcosm of of the pressures that we deal with and, and, and work, and, and sometimes it's too much, and, and we just walk out, or, or, or marriage, it's just too much because it's just too tough, and so we, we quit marriage, right? And that's what, that's what we do when we, when we divorce, it, it's, it's too much to handle, or, or a, a father or a mother who abandons their children, it's, and, and they quit being a parent. Uh, or, or uh, you know, we have people in our family, and surely you have, and, and I don't make light of this in any way, shape, or form, but we have people who, who die by suicide. And what that is, it's, it's coming to the point to where it's so tough that that, uh, that person chooses to quit life on this earth. And, and the reality is, and, and we can see the connection of all those things, but the reality is our life in Christ with others on this earth, in current form, in, in the broken uh, world that we see around us, and in such a time as this, it brings about similar pressure. And, and we all know those who have tracked with the church for a period of time, and, and who have outwardly walked with Jesus for a period of time, and, and, and for one reason or another, you today who just wandered in here for some strange reason. Uh, and, and what that looks like is, 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 is maybe the response, and maybe your response is not to desert the faith or the family altogether. And, and maybe it's, it's not to do that right away. But, but in time what happens is, is we might begin to cower and we might begin to buckle, or, or maybe you just pretend for the rest of your days. You just put on a front and you, and you sit here and you, you sing the songs and you do the things, and your heart is far from the Lord. So what is it that keeps us? Because look, I, I've been there, and I know that you've, you've probably been there if you've walked with Jesus and His people for any period of time. What is it that keeps us? What is it that spurs our faith? What is it that allows us to endure when, when, dark, uh, when, when darkness battles against us from within or, or when fog blinds us from without? How can we press on when, when our faith is weak, when our obedience comes at a great cost? And sometimes we might look at it and we say, I, I don't know if I'm willing to continue to pay this cost how can we endure when the light of God's word shines bright darkness fades and hope second Corinthians chapter 4 today when the light of God's word shines bright darkness fades and hope endures and so we're going to look at endurance from three different things and the first one is this endurance from truth and I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 1 through, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. With this in mind, endurance from truth. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. 
but we have renounced the disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice, uh, to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. We'll stop right there. It's, it's no surprise what Paul tells us to, that to endure uh, is to be established in the Word. Uh, he says, This ministry by the mercy of God, so we do not lose heart. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. What ministry is this that he's talking about? Well, last week, Pastor Matt talked to us about the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is, is simply this, that, that we are no longer established in a relationship with God by, by what we do, by our ability to keep the law. But we are established in a relationship with God by Christ's ability to, to please God. And when we trust Him completely, that, that is the new covenant that we trust in His body broken, blood spilled for us, then we can walk with God. We can walk as sons and daughters in God. And so he says, this ministry, by the mercy of God, so he says, this, this ministry that we get to walk with Jesus, it is not by our hands. We are not able to do this, but only by the mercy of God. Why? So, so that we do not lose heart. Literally, the word is so that we don't cower, so, so that we are not cowards. It is only through God's mercy that we have the privilege of joining God's work and, and, and not giving up. Can you imagine pleading, yelling at someone else? It can be anybody that you want in any context or any scene. Don't give up. Do not lose heart. Hang on, right? A, a little bit longer. You can, you can do it. All of those things that you might say. Stand firm. Don't quit. Press on. It's worth it in the end. Now, what were you doing? Because my guess is you, you, weren't, you weren't yelling at someone on the couch watching a show, right? My guess is in your mind you weren't, no, like, you can do this. It's just 27 minutes with commercials. Like, you can get through it. You, you probably weren't doing that. It was, it was probably someone like swimming a channel or, or running a marathon or hanging on for their life. And, and that's what Paul is doing when he's, when he's telling them, hang on, stand firm, do not lose heart. And here's why it's by the mercy of God alone. Paul has been, and he continues to tell of the suffering that he endures, the suffering that others who are in Christ have endured. And he invites us into that suffering and he invites us into that hope. And he tells us this, following Jesus and inviting others to follow this true and risen King, this risen Jesus, it is a miracle in itself that we get to do that. 
It is, it is a miracle. It is purely by God's gift of mercy that we are who we are, that we do what we do, and that we have not forsaken Him, that we have not forsaken His voice, that we have not forsaken His call, that we have not forsaken His work. It is, it is a miracle purely by the mercy of God that we get to do that today. So Paul rests and he, and he resists the urge to quit or cower. He says, we are not cowards. And, and again, what he does is, is he, uh, we see the theme of contrast and he contrasts genuine faith versus imposter faith. And so, so he says, uh, he, he rejects those who distort, distort the truth for personal gain. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth. That's what we stand on. By the truth. By the truth is what we are able to endure. Like, listen to this. In, in contrast, and when I read what Paul said about those, what we would uh, later... See, as, as super apostles that, that he calls them, commending themselves and, and trying to pull the Corinthians away. Man, I think I feel okay about saying what I'm getting ready to say. So there's this guy, his name is, is Mark Driscoll, and, and he was a pastor for a, a long time. And, and he was actually the, uh, one of the co-founders of the Acts 29 network, and, and he was used by God to do great things and and he was, he was used by God to build men and women up to herald this as true, all right? And, and he did a lot of other stuff and, and what he would probably call and what we would collectively call like dumb stuff along the way. And ultimately, his pride crept in and he, he got removed from his church. He got removed from the Acts 29 network and, and he was wayward in, in the church, restorative process, and he, and he didn't do that. Uh, instead, um, some months later, he went and he planted another church, and it's successful by, by uh, earthly um, metrics, numbers, and, and money, and scale, and all those things that we might look at, and we would say, that's a successful church. Um, and he said a lot of dumb stuff over the years, but, but one thing that he said recently, um, he was soliciting emails for his newsletter, and he said, uh, if, if you sign up for an email, you, you can be on the list to receive a signed copy of his sermon notes. And look, he bears pressure that I'll never know in my life, all right? But I can't help when I see Paul gospel-minded, standing on the word of truth at our own cost, Paul, who repeatedly says, I don't want your money because I don't want you thinking that I'm in, I, I'm in this for the show. And he contrasts that with, with these outside who, who clearly are in it for, for the lights and the money and the show. And, and that's what he's going against, and that's what he's suffering in defense of for himself, for the purity of the church, and for the Corinthian church. He's calling them back to stand firm, not to lose heart, to endure by the word of truth and not by anything else. And in my flesh, I say, gosh, I would, I would never do that. I would never say that. Like, gosh, that, that's pandering, and that's, that's cunning, and that's deceit. For, for, for what? That I would give away signed copy of sermon notes. But man, in, in my, my spirit says, gosh, I, am, I too am prone to wander. God, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love, and I'm not saying Mark Driscoll has left the God that he loves. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. 
So what Paul says is he rejects those who distort the truth and who self-promote. And he points them to the truth, which enables Paul to press on and and to just keep going. And and this is what he says. He said, it isn't us at all, in verse 3 through through 6, which gives us endurance to stay the course and to not lose heart. It is Jesus, and we serve in light of his serving. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And he goes on, he says, those who have not seen are perishing because the light they see is veiled by darkness. They are blinded. And so what he's doing is, he's he's responding to them saying, gosh, but but what about those that don't believe? Paul, like, is, is what you're doing false or fraudulent or weak? Because there are, there are those that don't believe. And he says, no. No, no, no not at all. The, what, what we do is, is we proclaim Jesus alone and, and not ourselves. And, and those that don't believe, those that are perishing, they're perishing because, because they, they have veiled the light with darkness. They are blinded. And then he goes on, he says, God has said, let light shine out of darkness. He says, it has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so what he does is he takes them and, and he takes us all the way back and he says, just as God created light in the face of darkness in the beginning of all that ever was, so far as we know it, let there be light amidst the darkness. He takes us back there and, and he says, just as, as God created light in the darkness in the beginning, he now recreates light and has driven that light home into our hearts and our lives by allowing us to what? To see the face of Jesus. And the way that I see this long awaited and it's dark and, and we haven't heard uh, uh, any of God's prophets or messengers for 400 years and Christ comes as, as a light and a tunnel and he gets here and, and it's bright and shining and there's a star over his head. And he's trained up in the ways of the Lord. He is God himself and everything that he does pleases the, the Father perfectly. And that light grows and grows and grows as people understand that he is the long-awaited king. Whew. Steel toes from now on. And Jesus comes, and towards the end of his life, he begins to take on darkness, and he begins to take on your darkness. Collect it all over him, and, and eventually that light begins to fade, and on the cross, when he breathed his last, all that there was was darkness, and in fact, we read that darkness fell upon the face of the earth. There was no light at all. There was no hope, and all the people that had walked with him, that had peered in, and they had seen, man, there's no, there's no one that speaks with the authority and the truth of this Jesus, and on that day, he died on the cross, and it was dark, and he was covered and he was consumed with darkness. And they, they looked on and they waited. And they probably walked away, as we see, in, in dismay. And they said, gosh, we, we thought he was the one. He had a good run. What next? And we see by his resurrection, he explodes out of the tomb. He dissipates darkness. And this light that, that God said in the beginning, let there be light, 
We see that light shines out of darkness, and we see that in the face of Jesus. And we get to bear the ministry of being lighthouses. And so what happens is, is by faith, that light of Christ is implanted into our hearts, and it grows, and it grows. And what we get to do is we get to shine bright this same light, the word of truth. But what, but what is our compass for truth? What is it that leads us to endure if it's a feeling, if it's a man, if it's a book, if it's something grandma said, if it's every wind of doctrine, if it's your social media feed, or, or even just you following your heart, it will fail. It is this book, and it is this book alone, the external word. This is, this is our compass. This is how we know truth. This is how we endure. This is what we get to set our anchor on. When the light of God's word shines bright, darkness fades and hope endures. The second thing we see is endurance through weakness. I want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 15. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Anybody singing a song? Like 90s, early 2000s? All right. That's the Bible. It was the Bible first before the song. Um, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who love are always being given over to death for Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And I'll, I'll stop there and I'll read the last three at the end of this point. There is no other world religion that finds its hope in the very thing that we fear, and for some of us that we fear more than anything else, our weakness. We fear being weak. And what Paul encourages us is it, is it is through our weakness that we get to endure. And we see throughout the scriptures over and over again, we see people try to be with God by their own strength. And what happens every time when they interact with, with the God of old or, or Jesus in the New Testament is they get, they get crushed And they're forced to make a decision to become weak, to trust in his strength, or to continue to trust in their own strength. And one day meet the one true God that will make them bow. Paul uses this kind of common, it's not common to us, um, this common ancient analogy to drive home the point and, and the emphasis of our weakness in this ministry of Jesus. And he says, we are but jars of clay. All right? And, and we've, we've probably all seen jars of clay. Again, not, not the band. That's not what we're talking about. But, uh, but, but we, we are but jars of clay. And, and so what he's saying is, gosh, we, we're fashioned, we are, but, but we are weak and we are fragile. I, I just imagine like um, you see several of them like on a porch or something like that, and there's usually always one or two of them that are kind of broken and, and just kind of disheveled as the, the weeds are coming out of them. And, and, and what he's saying is we are but jars of clay, weak and fragile. We are made what we are by the heat and the glory of the sun's power. And what he says is, but, but we're useful. 
Like clay pots, especially in this day, are useful because what, what they get to do, what we get to do, we as, as jars of clay displaying the greatness of God. So this treasure we put on display, this treasure which is Jesus, we get to do by the power of God alone. See, we have incredible freedom as ministers of this great King. We have a ton of freedom, but there is so much opportunity to steal glory. Look, there's so much opportunity for me to steal glory. There's so much opportunity for you to steal glory and, and even serve, maybe even outwardly in the name of Jesus, but ultimately we're just satisfying ourselves and, and our own lust and our own thirst to be something, to be something great. To be the thing which is in the pot, rather so much opportunity to steal glory, but so much freedom in Christ to give it all away for Christ's renown. And that's what Paul is submitting to. He's submitting to the latter that, that all that he is and all that they are and that all that we get to be, we get to, we get to submit to this, that, that we have all the freedom in the world to, to give away all the glory that we might have in this life and allow it to point to Jesus and Him alone. And, and His opponents, they seem to be doing the former. They seem to be living to steal glory, to make themselves great. We are weak, but He is great. And so we are simply, what, this is what he's saying, containers for God's glory. Now look, if, if, I, if I woke up and, and, and I reckoned this true in my heart before my feet hit the floor, it changes the way that I think. It changes the way that I live. That I, I am nothing but a container for God's glory. That when people see me, and man, they wouldn't walk away and they would say, gosh, look at that guy. He's really something, isn't he? He's super smart. He has all the answers. What a funny guy. How magnificent Michael is. What a, what a lucky woman Kim is to have married but that in every way we get to live our lives not, not like that. But I'm, I'm nothing but a container for God's glory. That's true in my suffering. That's true in my success. We read in John, we must decrease and He must increase. That's the way of a disciple of Jesus. We must become lesser and he must become greater. Yet this very foundation of faith is established by the strongest being ever to walk this earth serving us in the form of weakness. We see that in Jesus. So Paul couldn't stay the course if he didn't believe more in God, if he didn't believe more in, in faithfulness, that he didn't believe more in the mission than he did his suffering. 
And to be clear, faith is, is, not, uh, is not just never doubting, but it's enduring through to the other side of your doubts. And so he says, we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to complete and utter despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And then he says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. We are down, but we are not out. That's what he's saying. We're down, but we're not out. It is, it is sharing in the death of Jesus that allows us in our weakness to share in his life. And so many of us want the, the, the resurrection life without the cross life. And you, you Jesus wasn't, wasn't giving us options for what to do with our energy and our life and our time when he says, take up your cross and follow me. He wasn't just suggesting that that's the way of a life in Christ. He's saying, you must take up your cross in order to follow me. You must come to the end of yourself, or it's not me that you want. But when we do, we are given life upon life. And what Jesus says is, when we do that, Although we think it's like an even exchange or, or maybe we win for the day or maybe we lose for the day. Jesus says, only when you lay down your life for my sake, only then do you get the true, the good life. Only then will you get life to the fullest. When we're going through the worst... We are getting in on the best if we do not lose heart. That's what Paul's telling the Corinthians. Gazing at the lowness of Christ on the cross invites us to gaze at the greatness of his reign and, and his resurrection. One said it this way if the treasure of the gospel were carried in any uh, if the treasure of the gospel were carried in an impressive chest laden with gold and gems people might focus on the container and not the contents. This is exactly what, what Paul is saying. It's, it's, it's exactly his point. It's all about Jesus and our role is to be empty enough to be full of Him. So we are clay pots. Another says, human weakness presents no barriers to God's purposes when things are difficult because of your faithfulness. And that's what we're looking at. These things are difficult because of our faithfulness. Not in spite of it. They're difficult because we're faithfully following Jesus. When things are difficult because of your faithfulness to follow Him, do not lose heart. To be at the end of man's resources is not to be at the end of God's resources. So we spend our entire life trying to, to realize and to prove how strong we are, but in Christ... We are only able to endure when we realize how weak we really are and how strong He is through our weakness. Can you imagine what followers of Jesus said when He died? Do you ever think of that? Um, who do you think that they blamed when that happened? 
right? Certainly some of them walked away and, and, and they just denied it, said, nope, he ain't dead, uh, he's going he's gonna to get up, uh, I'm naming it, and I'm claiming it, right? Not happening. Hey, no, I just saw him, he's dead, not dead, all right? Some, some blind ignorance, and, and others, they probably blamed God. Surely he wasn't God's son to begin with. Maybe he's just getting what he deserves, and after all, how could the power of God be thwarted and, and, and crucified on a cross? And others, you know they did. They walked away and they blamed Satan, and they blamed demonic powers of darkness, and they, they, they walked away and they said, gosh, we thought he was our hope, but, but Satan won. What Paul's saying is, is don't do any of that when you suffer. Maybe there were some who, who saw it like Paul sees his suffering as divinely ordained, as, as, as a measure of God's grace, seeing our affliction as lovingly orchestrated opportunities for our growth and for God's glory. Because that's what the work of the cross was. So, so who do you blame when you suffer for faithfulness? Look, I'm not saying that, that we don't have an enemy that aims to thwart God's plans. S- sometimes that, that might r- rightly be ascribed to him. Where do you turn when things go south for your faithfulness? Do you, do you reject God and you say, I, I was with you? I thought we were together. I thought you were going to be with me. I thought it would be easy. But look, it's not easy, and I'm out. Or do you say, though you slay me, I'm yours. I'll read this last few verses in that section. Since we have the same spirit, of faith according to what has been written. I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And the last thing that we see is that endurance through hope that allows us to continue on when things are really tough. And so I'll read 16 through 18. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that, that are seen but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen, they are eternal. Eugene Peterson, he, he summarizes that this way. He says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without it. His unfolding grace. These hard times, good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here 
than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see, the things we can't see now will last forever. Look, when, when life is tough, because we're aiming to follow Jesus, it's easy to abandon God altogether. It's easy to turn from Him rather than turn towards Him. But Christ was abandoned in His weakness to give us hope, to give us confidence to endure through our own weakness, knowing that our suffering, no matter how, ma- no matter how bad it might be, will melt into eternal oblivion at the sight of His eternal glory. And this is not, this is not blind optimism that Paul's talking about. Paul is not negating the difficulty of this life. He's not, he's not uh, skirting around faithfulness. He's, he's not saying, ah, suffering, it's nothing in this life. He's not saying that at all. He isn't acting like the pain doesn't hurt. He's not acting like the wounds don't scar, but, but it is his hope in that which is greater that allows him to endure in this present suffering. That's what he invites us into in 10,000 years. Look, I I don't know what your burden is today, but in in 10,000 years, whatever you face today will be a a distant memory eclipsed by the then-present glory of God's never-ending, never-ceasing, always-and-forever mercy, grace, and love. So that, that swimmer, Florence Chadwick, what she said after that, after she quit, um, she said, if I had only seen the shore, I think I would have made it. And, and I think that's true for, for many of us. Like, we can endure, and, and you can get through college, or you can, you can work a tough job if, you, if you're going, like, for a period of time. But if there's no end in sight, the weight becomes incredible. And because the, the fog had come in, she had no idea how much longer she had. So she said, if I, I think if I had only seen the shore, I think I could have made it. Which is, which is exactly what Paul is telling us, that we can endure through the hope that we see in the future life that we have in Christ. So what Florence did was, two months later, she, she, she completed the task. And... and uh, she, she came out with, with the same boat and the same uh, channel and, and all those things um, and, and, and the same resources and the same skills, but she took, with her, um, she took with her something that she didn't have the first time. And what she took with her was a mental picture of the shore. And what she said was she clung to that even when she couldn't see it with her eyes. She clung to the shore because she knew that, that whether there was fog or anything else, that she would get there if she just visualized the shore. So she went on to do that, and then she went on to be the, 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 the first woman, and I think she still holds the record for, for traversing the English Channel there and back in the shortest amount of time. So she went on to do some, some great things, right? It's exactly what Paul is saying, that she looked not to the things that were seen, but to the things that are unseen. The fog was temporary, the shore was forever, because it was in her mind. That's what Paul is telling us to do. The invitation for for you today is turn from your sin 
if you've never done that in your life. Trust Jesus, who's a better king than you will ever be. And for those who have done that, and gosh, you, you have like swells of faithfulness and, and, and then your, your faithfulness is, is small. And you're walking in, in weakness. What we get to do is we get to follow Him wherever He leads. And, and we know that it won't always be rainbows and, and butterflies, but, but it will be worth it. And one day, when you have endured by the anchor of truth, when you have endured through our own weakness, and, and, and we have endured by, by keeping in view the promised hope assured through the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, we will find the shore and its joy will never cease. So today, I don't know your struggle. I don't know your suffering. I don't know your lot to bear. But I, I echo the words of Paul to you and your situation today. Hang on. Do not lose heart. Man, as I look at this, what I want us to do is I want us to see this and I want us to go and, and try to do some sweet tricks on a bike, but not on a bike at all, right? The reason why we gather together as God's church is so that we might, just like my brother and I watching those dudes on the bike, so that we might be built up and we might say, gosh, today I didn't believe that it was worth it. But when I gaze upon this book and I see the hope set before me, I can keep on keeping on. So we get to respond today. We get to sing with the band who will invite us to sing to Jesus and about him. If you're in Christ, we get to respond by taking communion that is a reminder and a declaration of the work of Jesus, that he died, that his body was broken, that his blood was spilt for, for our sins. And if we trust in that, we come to him weak with nothing in our hands. And we get to be established on the strength that the God of this universe has to hold us in his hands. If you're not in Christ, this isn't for you, but my wife and I will be back by that red tree. There will be a, another few over by that red tree. We would love to pray with you. We would love to answer any questions that you might have about Jesus. We would love to bear your burden in any way, shape, or form that we can as we take our burden to the Lord as he asks us to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for your, your endurance. Jesus, thank you that you endured to the end. That when Satan tempted you, you didn't quit. That when the finish line was near, that, that when, when you said, if there be any other way, take this cup from me, Jesus, thank you that you drank of the cup. Thank you that, that you, you not only modeled weakness in your strength, but you invite us into that. And we're invited into a life that we can never have on our own. God, would you let us endure till the end? Would you let us finish well? Would you let us be a community that, that builds one another up, points us back to the truth, that sets the hope before us, and let, lets us labor as ministers by your mercy. Empty pots, carrying your glory wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.